0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, and medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburn, rashes, and other types of skin damage. And the best part is that it's safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for use on all skin types and all parts of the body, even with rosacea, eczema, or acne-prone skin. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the littlest member of your family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all your family's skin health needs. I have three kids. We have injuries in our house almost daily, and so it's so nice to have active skin repair to reach for in my cabinet because I know that it's safe, natural, and non-toxic. We use it for things like burns or scrapes or cuts. My youngest daughter recently had a really bad finger injury, and we were using it on her, and it did not sting or burn her at all. So it was perfect. Today, as a listener of this podcast, you can get a special discount on your order of active skin repair. Visit activeskinrepair.com to learn more. And to get 20% off your order, use code NO ONE TOLD US. That's activeskinrepair.com, code NO ONE TOLD US for 20% off your order. One thing no one told me before I became a mom is how important quality products are, especially with something that we use all day, every day, like diapers. I used to think it didn't matter what kind of diaper I used, but since switching to Coterie, I get it. Coterie's diapers are so soft and absorbent that my daughter has literally never had a diaper rash, and they keep her feeling dry and comfortable all night long. Use our special code, NOONETOLDUS, to save 20% on your first Coterie order today. Welcome to No One Told Us, the podcast that tells the truth about parenting and talks about all the stuff you wish you knew before having kids. I'm your host, Rachel Shepard Ota, and today I am so excited to have Daphne Delvo, who is an award-winning trial attorney and founder of Delvo Law, a law firm devoted to women's rights at work. She's been recognized by major news outlets, both nationally and internationally, as a leader of the women's rights movement. And you have received the award of Outstanding Trial Lawyer for winning an equal pay trial. That's so amazing. You're also the creator of Mama Attorney, a platform on a mission to educate women on their rights at work and to teach them how to advocate for their needs so that they can receive more financial freedom and time freedom without sacrificing career goals or ambitions. And Daphne, you're also routinely seen as the expert on pregnancy and postpartum discrimination, as well as maternity leave regulations. I am so excited to talk to you today. I think this is going to be such an important episode, and it's going to be just so filled with information that moms really need to know that you just, you don't even know where to start when you're thinking about getting pregnant or when you are pregnant or have a young baby. It's just this whole system is so overwhelming for moms, so I'm really excited to hear you kind of break down all the most important stuff that we need to know about to make sure we're getting the most out of our employer, right? But before we dive into all of that, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of, I'm sure your schedule is absolutely crazy because you do so many things. Um, and yeah. you You have so many different hats, but we really appreciate you being here with us today. And I'd love to start with just hearing a little bit more about you and what kind of drove you to choose this path. I know in law, there are so many different kind of avenues you can take. And so what made you passionate about doing the work that you do? And um, what's been kind of like your journey as a, a mom in this type of workspace? Yeah, thank you so much for that question, and just for having this conversation. I think
1: what we are doing, what we are doing here, what we are doing here is trying to educate moms to make sure that we prevent problems, and it's really important. Um, Often, when you're pregnant, that's the first time that you're really confronted with your rights and with the law at the workplace, and it's also the most vulnerable time. You don't really know who to trust and where to go, and at the same time, you have to figure out all these systems, the healthcare system benefit systems, uh, childcare systems, and then often your employer uh, leave policies and all of the things are very confusing and overwhelming and not really created to help you or support you or guide you. So what we're trying to do today is really kind of create a roadmap and some information to empower moms to know where to go and what to do. Um, Cause it's true, like you don't really know where to start when you're pregnant and when it comes to the law, the law in and of itself is extremely complicated and confusing. But then maternity law is ex- extremely complex. Um, and within my field of employment law, there's not that many lawyers that do what I do, which I wish there were more. There, first of all, there's not a lot of moms. Like there's three of us. And um, <laughs> and then there's just this niche of maternity law um, is quite rare, um, because it's very complicated and confusing. And that's kind of how I got into this work. Because even though I was an employment attorney, working for a very old institution of an employment law firm, for many years, my boss, who's owner of the firm did not actually know my rights when it comes to my maternity leave, as a woman as a pregnant lawyer, as a pregnant employment lawyer. And it's something it is something that I had to figure out on my own. And it really was a confronting experience because I realized, oh my God, if I have to figure this out and actually go to the regulations to read about my rights, I cannot even imagine what women women are going through. And what I was learning about the law is that it is quite different that than what we're told. You know, our employers are usually not telling us the whole story when it comes to our rights because it's not really in their best interest. Um they don't they they're not really helped by us being empowered and educated, because it means we will demand more and ask for more. And that doesn't really help in the context of capitalism. It doesn't help them make money. So instead, what they often do in the employment space is they either give you no information or they give you incomplete information or wrong information. Um, For example, I've seen a lot of handbooks and policies that are just blatantly wrong. And then there's just a lot of misconceptions about the law when it comes to maternity leave. Um, that I really wanna clear up a little bit today. we just, there's a lot of things people say that are not true or half truths, and it's really harming women. But when it comes to my own journey to this kind of work, I just had like probably everyone listening, a lot of experiences as a woman in the workplace that were <laughs> not easy when it comes to equal pay, sexual harassment, discrimination. And I think, you know, when you're young, you just tend to brush those things kind of under the rug, as I think a lot of us do, or we just assume this is the norm, and we just kind of go along with our day. We're not, we don't really want to speak up. We don't even really know how to speak up. Then when I went to law school and became a lawyer, that's truly when I saw the power of the law when it comes to workplace exploitation, abuse, or discrimination. So I wanted to use the skills I had to prevent other women from going through experiences that made them feel devalued, pushed aside, unsupported, or unresourced. Because truly, if we do not have the support of our employers, it is quite hard to actually succeed as a mom. So I really started to see the intersection of motherhood and ambition and career as a place where there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of things to clear up. And also there's a lot of compassion and grace that needs to be brought in because it is just really hard. And I think that's an important place of, you know, where do we start? It's like, you know, probably by validating Um, that yeah. it is hard. It is hard for, it was hard for me. It, it's hard for all of the moms I know. So if you feel like you're struggling, then you're doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, But it's also you know, I I wish that it would be easier. But the 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 least I can do with the knowledge I have is help women navigate very complex systems.
0: I love that. I love that your main goal is to just like empower us to speak up and to not just ask for what we want, but kind of demand it. And so what do you think is as far as, you know, prepping for baby? So say mom's pregnant, maybe it's her first, maybe it's her second, but she's pregnant, what are the things that you think are the most important to get kind of in line before a baby is even born?
1: Yeah, so I really advise women to start thinking about their rights when they start thinking about having a baby, or when they find out that they have a baby. A lot of the issues that my clients got into is because they waited too long. Um, First of all, they waited too long to announce at work, which I do not recommend. um, Or they waited too long to figure out what their leave plan is. And then in the process, there was a lot of resentment and frustration by coworkers, by the employer, or they waited too long to figure out how they're going to get back and pump. And unfortunately, it is up to the employee, not the employer, to assert her rights. So meaning Mm -hmm. that if an employer is watching you struggle, that employer has no obligation to help you. The employer is only obligated to help you if you ask for help. So if you assert your rights, yeah, if you assert your rights and you ask for certain rights, like under the pump act, like pregnancy accommodations, if you do not use language like that, that is a little bit legally charged, which is uncomfortable in the workplace. But if you do not use very specific language and talk about specific laws, your employer actually has no obligation towards you, which means that if you're struggling because of pregnancy, but you're not asking for help, you can be fired. Um, which is why I do not recommend waiting to yeah. announce your pregnancy at work. My advice is generally to announce your pregnancy at work the day after you find out. And that's because once you're pregnant and they know you're pregnant, you are in a protected class. And if something shady happens at work, they're going to be a little bit more careful. But if you do not, if they, you didn't tell them you're pregnant and they see you struggle, which they might know you're pregnant, but they're not gonna tell you. And they can then actually legally fire you. So the first thing you need to do in the context of your rights is actually assert yourself as a pregnant woman, which puts yourself in a status of a protected class. Then that also entitles you to ask for accommodations at work, like more breaks, like telework, like flexibility, like more time off, time off for prenatal care, time off for stress, anxiety, uh, prenatal depression, More equipment, you can ask to be moved to like the lower floor, and you can ask for changes to your job. And your employer has a legal obligation to help you with that. But if your employer doesn't know you're pregnant, and you're falling behind because of morning sickness, or you're late because you're exhausted, then you're putting yourself in an extremely risky position. A lot of women don't want to announce they're pregnant because they're scared and concerned about their job, but it's Mm -hmm. actually riskier not to announce it. So the first wow. thing you want to do when you find out you're pregnant is to actually tell your employer you're pregnant. Um, the second thing you want to do is the moment you find out you're pregnant, you start thinking about your maternity leave plan as well as your partners. Because if you wait too long, um, you know, anything can happen during pregnancy. You will be in a position where you're experiencing something very hard. And you also have to figure out your workplace rights when mm-hmm. you are prepared and you tell your employer like i'm pregnant and this is my leave plan then kind of despite what happens at work you will be covered and everyone will know what to do specifically that means that you need some sort of document that lists all of your projects responsibilities and duties and that you need to make your team and managers aware of what you're doing in terms of in terms of your job and you don't want to wait until month 8 to do that you want to actually start doing that pretty soon because you have to help your employer help you which means you have to educate your employer on what your job actually entails no one knows better than you a lot of the issues i see is when women take a kind of kind of a passive stance when it comes to their maternity leave and then they leave and then everyone freaks out because they don't know where the passwords are or they don't know when a project is due or uh, things just kind of start falling apart. And then that woman is blamed for the impact on the business, which right. is kind of unfair, but also it's, it's preventable, preventable by both the employee and the employer. And then the third thing you have to do, in addition to thinking about your projects, is also thinking about your maternity, le- maternity leave plan specifically and sit down with your partner and look at his or her parental leave rights and benefits And then you want to actually have your plan figured out for when the baby comes. And you want to have that. You want to do that soon instead of in the eighth month or the ninth month of pregnancy.
0: Yeah, I think that's really smart to be proactive and prepared. So it's so interesting that you say to tell your employer right away, because I think most people don't do that at all. I think a lot of people wait to tell even their family until it's like, you know, 12 weeks or whatever that they have that. Um, Yeah that news to share, but that's so interesting. Do you recommend people actually put it in writing, like in an email or how would you recommend they tell? Everything related to
1: pregnancy and leave has to be in writing. Um, What I've seen in my cases, for example, is that a, a pregnant woman gets fired. And then, but she has really no evidence that the employer knew that she was pregnant. And she's like, well, I told them. And then I say, they're gonna deny that. Like, unless you have an email, you actually have the burden of proving your case. And unless you have an email, that you can show that they knew you were pregnant, you they're going to deny that they knew that. Um, so you have to put everything that's related to pregnancy and maternity in email. And yeah, I know that it's kind of the custom to wait until 12 weeks. And you can wait to tell your family and friends, but it really doesn't help you in the workplace to wait. Um, it really cuts against you. And I know that we want to make sure the pregnancy is safe. Um, but I think what you have to keep in mind is if something happens to the pregnancy and no one knows at work, You have to go to work the next day. Alternatively, you have to have, you have to tell them mid pregnancy loss that you are experiencing pregnancy loss. And that is complicated for, because no one is going to be ready for that. Um, Whatever you have to do work wise will still need to get done. So it just leaves everyone in a state of chaos and also will create a lot of pressure on the woman, on the mom. To kind of get back to work instead of asking mm-hmm. for a medical leave, which she's entitled to. So, if your employer at the very least knows you're pregnant, they can kind of prepare for any any um, outcome of that pregnancy.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask if I was going to ask if there is an early loss or even a even a loss further along. Are, are there any protections or anything you can request? Yeah. So there there are protections, and that's one of the myths we have to dispel. Uh, we
1: have kind of the saying that we don't have leave rights after miscarriage and that's untrue. Um what we don't have is a right to bereavement leave in general. So when we think about we have no time after after birth, often that is interpreted in the context of bereavement leave of like we don't have mourning rights. And then there is a lot of outrage about that. You know, a few years ago we were looking at New Zealand and they just passed a 3-day bereavement leave after loss. And mm-hmm. we were all thinking of New Zealand as this model. But truly in the US we already had medical leave that could be used for loss, that is 12 weeks. It is unpaid. It is paid in some states, not all states, but it is there. In addition, under the current uh, Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, which applies to a lot more employees, uh, millions more employees, because the FMLA is very limited, you can also take time off. So even paid, uh, you can take time off for uh, pregnancy loss, loss of pregnancy. And those are just things we don't know. But it's right. because we're using the wrong language. We're, we're talking about pregnancy loss in the context of bereavement, but it is actually under US law considered a medical event. So okay. we have really to, to we have to talk about, med- about this leave in the context of disability and medical. So, so you can take time off. And I see a lot of women go back to work and not ask for anything because they assume they have no time off. Mm. And that's one of the things where we have to make sure we kind of clear up language. And the next thing we have to do to clear up language is maternity leave. And that's a very big one. Maternity leave is not actually a right. It it doesn't exist in the law. Um, it is something that we say. So when we talk about we have no maternity leave rights, that's technically true because maternity leave is not a legal concept. It's not something that exists. So if you ask your employer like what what do I have, you know, what is a maternity leave policy or rights? They are technically correct in saying that doesn't exist because when it comes to the maternity leave period, the only laws in existence are medical leave or bonding leave. A lot of women have either or, or sometimes both. So we're using the wrong language when we ask for our rights. And my advice to women is always do not ask for maternity leave, which is crazy because I'm like the maternity expert, right? (laughs) But that's because maternity leave is not a protected ask. Uh, it just doesn't exist. You ask for medical leave for childbirth and bonding leave for having a newborn. Um You ask for specific statutes like FMLA or in some states there are other statutes that give you time off work, but we, we don't ask for maternity leave at work because it actually doesn't exist. So that's where there's another misconception of like there's no maternity leave in the U.S. Um, and therefore, because we hear that a lot, a lot of women aren't asking for their rights. The third misconception is that maternity leave is unpaid, which is true on the federal level, but there are some states, I think it's 13 right now, that have benefits. In addition, your employer can also have an insurance plan where there are some sort of short-term disability benefits. Because but because a lot of women assume they have no paid leave rights, they're not asking for them or they're not investigating further. So even though we do need paid maternity leave on the federal level there are actually some systems and programs in place that are severely underused because no one's really educating the women on those programs.
0: Wow, that is such a shame. So do you find that most women that um, come to you with maternity leave issues are, it's an issue of like a miscommunication or it, it um, is something that like could have been prevented if there had been oh, clear yeah. communication? So this is what I see most often.
1: And I see this all the time and it hurts me. Like it hurts me as a mom, someone who cares about babies is when a mom asks for, Hey, what is the maternity leave policy? And the employer is like, we don't have that. And then she just assumes she has no rights. And then she goes back to work right after birth. And I see that in the state of California where women can take up to seven months uh, of time off, six months of paid leave. And Women are just not doing that. And I'm seeing it in the state of New York, where there's also um, a more robust paid leave program or Massachusetts, which recently passed a really great framework um, that women are just not aware of, but they're asking the wrong questions. What's unfair here is that women are not educated on how to ask this question in the correct way. Um, And the correct way is to ask for your leave rights, uh, medical leave and or bonding leave. And you want to write it that way. Um, under FMLA and or applicable state laws. Like that is the correct way to ask this question, but it's super legal, so it's uncomfortable. But that's the way to actually maximize your leave rights. Um, So when you're assuming your employer is going to educate you on your rights, you're wrong. I mean, some do, but they have no obligation to do that because you're asking them essentially, hey, will you help me stay away from work longer? They're not going to do that. That is something that you have to figure out on your own. And you will have to assert your rights in a way that maximizes your time off. That burden, unfortunately, is on your shoulders. But because a lot of women assume, oh, my employer will help me with that right. Wrong. It's just no. not true. And we, it's, it's kind of an unfair or naive expectation to have of your employer who exists to make money and to use your labor and the exchange, the transaction you have, the agreement you have with your employer is labor for money, you know, services mm-hmm. for money. And when you're asking for time off, um, that goes against that assumption. So and even though it's your right, it's a hard thing to ask for. But what you don't want to do is assume that your employer has your best interest at heart. Many do, many don't. And you don't quite know where yours will fall. I've seen kind of employers be super generous. I've seen employers be uneducated and uninformed. And I've seen employers be Manipulative and malicious, and you just don't quite know yet where it's your will fall.
0: Yeah, and it does suck. You're right. It's it's so unfair that that burden of proof is is on us, or that burden to know is on us. I will never forget being pregnant with my first baby, and I was a teacher, and so I went to like the HR department, and I was asking, basically what you said not to ask, which was like, what is my maternity leave? You're like, what is it going to look like? What do I get? And she had really like no idea. Like, she had no idea how to explain it to me. I left so much more confused than I was when I had entered her office. And I just felt so defeated. And I had to, you know, research everything myself. And my husband had to ask his workplace too. And it just, it felt so confusing. And it's, it's such a shame that parents don't have the education or the resources to like really have clear answers on this and that it's really up to us to figure it out and to just like wade through all of this misinformation too. Today's episode is brought to you by Coterie, a diaper company that is absolutely changing the game in the diaper industry. Coterie's products are free of 200 plus chemicals. They have no fragrances, parabens, pesticides, chlorine bleaching, dyes, alcohol, lotions, latexes, I could go on. They're hypoallergenic, dermatologist tested, cruelty free, and the only diaper brand to publish their very own safety report. Your baby might not care about all these things, but I know that you do, and your baby will love that they feel drier, more comfortable, and they may even snooze a little longer without being woken up because Coterie protects them against leaks for up to 12 hours. You'll feel great about putting Coterie diapers on your baby every single time because they are so soft and luxurious feeling. They are honestly the best diapers we've ever used, and I love that they're delivered to me monthly so I never have to worry about running out. It's one less thing on my mental load, which is huge. And today, new customers get an awesome deal for listening to this podcast. Use the special code "No One Told Us" to save twenty percent on your Coterie order of forty dollars or more. Use the link in the show notes and enter "No One Told Us" at checkout. That's N O O N E T O L D U S.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people will default to HR or even yeah. that's the advice I even see in the motherhood space. And I'm always like, stop, please giving that advice. Like it drives me absolutely insane, because you're preventing women take bonding time. Yeah. And you're actually helping women um get back to work faster, or they resign because they don't have the time that they think they, they have. So it's, we just default to go to HR. And, mm-hmm. you know, HR can be wonderful, but HR can Exi- you know, they're paid by your employer, so that's where their loyalty lies. I've worked with great HR professionals who will act as a bridge, but there's no obligation, legal obligation on HR to help you be with your baby. There's just mm-hmm. none. The only thing they have to do is when you ask for your rights, very specifically, in a kind of a legally charged way, as we were discussing, they have to grant that, assuming you're eligible. Like that is the only employer, uh, the only obligation your employer has. And then they have to protect your leave. So while you are on leave, they cannot replace you permanently, and they cannot punish you for having a baby. That is the other obligation, assuming they know that you're pregnant and you had a baby. But those, that's kind of it. So everything else in terms of how do I figure this out, what are my rights? Um, your employer is not the best source for that information.
0: Right. So what would you say is the best source for that information? I know you provide so many resources and you have a membership and all of that kind of thing. Is that a good spot for moms to go if they're like really just lost on all of this stuff? Yes. I'll just, I'll
1: just claim it. Yes, it is. So I have a membership where I created a a leave portal. So where you just go to your state and then has your leave rights explained in the Interpretation most generous to you, which means that if you want to maximize your time off and you want to learn how to do that, I give you the language on how to do that because it's written by a labor side employer, employment attorney who's also a mom. And I really care about moms and babies in a way that your employer doesn't. Another resource you can use is there's some nonprofits who do this as well, but I would say that their information is not super clear. And then there's some government websites, but I think the risk with those is that it often provides a piece of the puzzle but not the whole puzzle and what you really truly need is to see the whole matrix of all right what is the totality of my leave rights and then am i eligible for benefits and how does that fit under that because when you go to your your government websites first of all they're not truly your ally right they're not your advocate you may find some good information on there but it's usually going to be incomplete because the government systems kind of act in isolation there's like no one space that has all the answers. So you're already going to be cross-referencing. So you're kind of going to be in this research mode that is exhausting and adds a lot of emotional and mental labor. So while I was seeing that and I was getting so many of the same questions, that's when I created my membership because we you just want to have one place that kind of tells you what the, the state of your rights is and then you want to have it specific to your state because labor and employment law is state specific. And another risk of researching your own is that you might end up in on a website that is in a different state and that won't even apply to you. Mm. Or you might end up on a website that only talks about federal law, but you might have state rights that you didn't even know. So we want to make sure that we have the most generous interpretation of the law, which you will usually only find on blogs and resources created by attorneys like me, labor and employment attorneys that help employees.
0: Okay. And so then let's talk a little bit about what happens when babies here, the maternity, whatever leave you got to take or decided to take is up and you're going back to work now. So I know the Pump Act was recently passed. So can you talk a little bit about how that has changed things or how you hope it might change things for yeah. when moms go back and they and they choose to breastfeed? Yeah, the Pump Act is awesome. Like I'm a,
1: I'm stoked about it. Um, because it's, and this is what I love about these federal laws is they kind of swoop in and just clarify everything. Cause it's so complicated. You're probably listening to this already feeling confused, which is a natural reaction. And if you're not confused, you're not paying attention. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the pump act is super simple, which is beautiful when you have a law, And that's why I'm so, so psyched about it. So the pump act says that anytime you have to pump, you're going to go pump, you you have to go pump. It's a, the most straightforward law. It also says that it applies to everyone, uh, which previously the state of pumping law was very, very uh, just all over the place. Like some people were eligible, some were not, you had to be lucky with your state, but also that whether you were salaried or hourly. So there were just so many intricacies in terms of figuring out your eligibility. As a result, so many people fell between the cracks. And also there is was just mass confusion about it, both by employees and employers. In fact, this law was passed because employers actually backed it because they were so confused too. the The other exciting thing about the Pump Act is that it um, allows for true enforcement of your rights, so that you can actually find you can you can um, claim remedies if so money if your pump pumping rights are not. Respected, which that's also a new thing. So the pumping rights are very straightforward. Anytime you have to pump, they have to let you pump. It is you who decides. And that's where I see a lot of the issues because a lot of managers, they don't understand breastfeeding and they don't (laughs) understand (laughs) demand and supply. And they don't understand that you can't just wait, like just like you wouldn't tell a grown up to wait to go pee, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't, you wouldn't go like, hold it, we're in the middle of a meeting, right? That that would be kind of a wild thing to do. But that's kind of happening en masse with pumping, because women are told to wait, like, hey, can you do this then? Can you wait? And and as a result, we're in pain, our supplies dwindling. So the issue with pumping is that there's just complete lack of education on what it actually means to be a lactating mother in the workplace for example employers now provide sexual harassment training but when it comes to these maternity issues most managers are clueless so Mm -hmm. that creates this awkward situation where you have to talk to your boss about your boobs like how do you do that right like (laughs) no one (laughs) no one wants to do that no and then you have to kind of explain like how pumping actually works um so that's where i see most of the issues especially with teachers it's like well do i do i actually walk out of my classroom? Like do I have to wait till lunchtime? And the answer to that is your employer has to make sure there's enough staffing for you to pump. Even if you're a teacher, even if you're a nurse, that is something that they will just have to figure out. So that's kind of revolutionary because it creates so much more power. It's it's a tra- it's a transfer of power to the mom where yeah. she gets to say, "I want to breastfeed. This is important to me. This is important to my baby." And the employer has truly like no choice and no control over the situation. Like they, do they just have, have, have to, to also go
0: provide? Do they also have to provide a space? Yes.
1: Yeah, so the space has to be clean and not a bathroom and free from intrusion, which means that it has to have a lock. Um wow. If your employer is sending you to the bathroom or to your car or some sort of like office kitchen where people walk in and out of, uh, or a space that has a security camera, these are all non-compliant spaces um, wow. like they actually have to figure out a space if they cannot find a space they have to buy something like a pod or like a little tent uh, so that there's uh, privacy
0: that but is they amazing. have to
1: find a space for you to pump yeah
0: yeah I used to have to pump in my classroom um, and I <laughs> I was kind of told that like if I didn't want to do that then I could go to the nurse's office and I was like well my classroom, it is then, I guess, because <laughs> the nurse's office is disgusting. So, yeah, I wish that I had had this back then. Um, That's wonderful to know that that moms have that power with with uh, pumping and breastfeeding, at least, because I think, you know, we have talked about this before and just how after your baby's born and you before you become a mom, you might not even realize, like, how many things are going to become important to you. And. I don't know, the whole pumping and breastfeeding thing is so tough too, because then there are the moms who have babies who like won't take a bottle and even pumping is, is hard because they're like, well, I I am still having to separate from my baby and this is really, really hard. Um, and we're asked to separate from them so, so early, which is really tough. And I know you talk a lot about that and how passionate you are about keeping moms and babies together for as long as the mom wants, wants that to be the case.
1: Yeah, well, well, pumping, pumping is a tough thing to ask for because you already just went on leave, and -hmm. before that, maybe you needed pregnancy accommodations, and you're you're going to start to feel like you're exhausting your employer's generosity, and that's a dangerous trap to fall into, where you start to feel guilty
0: when truly all you're
1: accommodating, right? All you're doing is your employer has to follow the law. Now a lot of things, those things are gonna be compounded during and after pregnancy, it's gonna accumulate quickly, but it is the law. So it just like you're not gonna feel bad for a car that has that is hitting a lot of red lights. Like they have to stop every time. And I think we start to feel really guilty when we're asking for things at work because that's kind of how we've been conditioned. But Mm -hmm. really the system of how hard it is to be a mom and working. Uh, is really stacked against us. So, everything we can do to make that easier, we should do. When we're thinking about corporations, they don't have any guilt over using tax benefits or doing mass layoffs. Like, they're right. going to do what's in their best interest always. They're taking advantage of these PPP loans that no one's paying back. Like, they're going to always do these things that are within the realm of the law as long as it is allowed. And yeah. as employees, as women, as moms, we have to do that too. We already don't have federal paid leave. We don't have child care under age of five. We don't have mm-hmm. the child allowance. You know, I, I grew up in Belgium where like all parents get money from the government just for being parents. In addition to free education starting at three months, um, in addition to benefits, in addition to burnout leave if you need it, You know, there's so many programs available. I remember like this during the summer walking over to the local town square area and there were like summer camps set up and it was all sponsored by the government. And we just went and there were these counselors and there's so there's already all these things we don't have. So the last thing you want to feel is guilt because (laughs) it's really not that much we're asking for. Um, but it's still, it's still, it's still hard, but yeah. Um, what I, what I'm really passionate about is reminding women that capitalism and by extension, your employer that exists within capitalism benefits from separation of the mother and the baby because, Mm -hmm. because they want your hands to be free to serve them. And the best way they do that is by you putting your baby down. So you holding your baby and then you breastfeeding, it's a revolutionary thing to do. And it goes against the norm, which is why it's hard. And it goes against the common story of capitalism, which we all exist in, and we also have to pay rent. So it feels risky to yeah. ask things of your employer because what if you get fired right when you need the income and healthcare? So those are all things that are gonna feel very acute during a really, vulner- really vulnerable time. And just reminding women that your baby's more important like your baby yeah. just is more important than whatever operational challenges are going on at work. You know, whatever your employer needs from you, they can get from someone else or they can ask of you later. It is just mm-hmm. not as important as your baby being okay and you being okay every time categorically. So always advocating for yourself also means you're advocating for your baby. And that's something you will never regret. The reverse you will regret. If, if regret, you will regret giving your employer too much of your time, attention and resources that should be going to your baby. That's something that you will hold and carry with you. But it is also hard to do to advocacy in the workplace. It's hard. It's a skill that you have to learn. You know, it's something I learned as a lawyer over many years that now I'm trying to teach women, keeping in mind that it's okay. It's okay to put yourself first right now. And that baby needs you more than your boss needs you.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you just touched on all of that because I, on Hey Sleepy Baby on Instagram, I talk about this a lot about how, you know, sleep training is just not really that much of a thing in so many other places of the world because they don't really need it to be a thing. Like they're not having to go back to work when their child is still so little and so needy. And, and our society asks that of moms and dads and that's, you know, why sleep training I think has become so popular or one of the reasons, I should say not not entirely. It's a cultural thing too. But yeah, you're right. It's and it's something that I think as a mom for at least me, I started to just really not care about work once I became a mom. Like (laughs) second Yeah, like I was a teacher and like I, you know, people in those types of professions do care about, you know, their students or you care about your patients if you're a doctor or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, like the most important thing becomes your baby and your little family. And um yes, yeah, I think sometimes we become a little bit apathetic to work, but it's still so ingrained in us. And we're so socialized to like, sit down, be quiet, don't make waves, don't ask for too much. And so, you know, I think that can happen too, is like, even if we don't feel like we have to give everything to our job anymore, we're still, we're like not allowed to, take a break or to ask for too much or, or things like that. So I think it, it can be really hard, but I love that you kind of just encourage people to speak up and to know their rights. Cause that's the most empowering thing is to just know what you're entitled to. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. And it's normal to feel scared because your employment is tied to healthcare and survival. Yeah. And those are very yeah. primal needs, right? Like yes, we don't want exactly. to, we don't want to gloss over them or, or minimize them more push those aside, like truly allowing this fear to exist. Um, Mm -hmm. And then recognizing that there's kind of risk anyway, with your job, like I've, this whole year, I've been talking to women who were laid off during these mass layoffs. And a lot of times they were pregnant or postpartum, and there's really nothing I could do about that. And recognizing that your job is always at risk, kind of Mm -hmm. despite what you do, and then acting accordingly, and having you know, trying to have a good saving fund, and mm-hmm. and when you're asking for your community to help you, you know, like at the baby shower, instead of asking for this new, you can ask for <laughs> them to fund your fund your maternity leave fund, so that you have like mm-hmm. the financial freedom and support that you really need. Because truly, what what women need is cash. They don't need all the stuff and. I just see communities buying all these things. And I'm like, put that money in her bank account, please. Yes. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. She's going to need financial freedom. But that fear is very legitimate and very normal. And, you know, education is a tough job as a mom because you're like, I mean, honestly, you're leaving your child to care for other children. And you're not supported in that job. You don't have the benefits and support you need. It's also unsafe. And so it feels like a really rough deal, especially... I mean, it should be the most paid job like for that kind of a sacrifice and effort and and contribution. And when we're talking about sleep training one thing I'm very sensitive of is when I see the moms attack each other and the mommy wars about the the sleep training and the formula and it's like truly no one's talking about the real culprit here like you said like the we're just not supported. So right. if you are falling asleep at the wheel because your employer is not giving you enough time off um and it's being really tough on you then you may feel like you have no choice. Right. And what we want to help women with is agency and feeling like they have the authority over their own life, especially during this time. So, if we were to support moms during this transition, we would see uh, a, a huge change when it comes to sleep training, when it comes to postpartum depression, anxiety, when it comes to uh, breastfeeding. But because we're not there, um, a lot of women are forced into figuring something out so it can be fixed. And yeah. that's really unfair because the only person who's benefit by, benefited by that is the employer.
0: Do you think we are in any way close to real big policy changes in this country with regards to family leave or childcare or any of that? Like, what is your prediction? Um, so this is something we've been working on through
1: the Chamber of Mothers, which is an organization I co-founded, which is about motherhood advocacy. And we go to DC and we have these discussions and. Um, I mean, we're working towards it, um, whether the the conditions are ripe, it's going to take all of us. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of what I've learned about it is that we're it's going to take all of us. And what the challenge I see is that, you know, we we don't trust our government. So when we think about we need to create more systems that are government controlled, there's a lot of resistance to that. And mm-hmm. as a result, you know, when it comes to benefits and child care, you know, there, some people do not want the government to be in charge of that. But as a result, <laughs> right now, we're in a vacuum, like we have nothing. And right. then there's this idea of like, well, we don't want the government to do that. It's like, so right. It's just that's kind of the fight right now. But I think we will eventually get there. I think most importantly, a lot of states are getting there. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to when it comes to these kind of support systems, we really want to keep our eye on our state and also vote with our feet. And, and you can, you know, a woman in California or Massachusetts is going to have an entirely different experience than a woman in Alabama or Mississippi. That's just the truth. And so just keeping an eye on your state and making sure that you also pay attention to your state politics, which a lot of us don't do, we, we really focus on the presidential office. But I think we're, you know, like just the moms showing up in DC really excites me. You know, that in and of itself is revolutionary and having these conversations and really holding the people in power accountable and and sharing our stories and and showing the data. Another thing I see is just complete lack of information education. When you're talking Mm -hmm. to people who have had a parenting experience decades ago, maybe they had a stay at home wife, or maybe they had a live in nanny, or both, usually both, um, or <laughs> even a mom who had kids many, many years ago. And she was so unsupported that she feels like, I did it. So, you know, like you should all do right, it. Right, so right. there's a lot of that. But I think uh, it's going to take time and it's going to take all of us. But I do trust and believe that we will get there.
0: I love that. And yeah, the Chamber of Mothers is doing such incredible work. I'm glad that um, that you brought that up and I'll link to it in the show notes if anybody is thank interested in checking it out. It's really yeah. an amazing cause. Thank you. Join us. Join the movement. Yes, please do. <laughs> well, Daphne, thank you so much for all of this incredible information. I hope that everyone listening feels a little bit more empowered and a little bit more knowledgeable about your rights at work. Um, can you just run down really quickly where people can find you and access all of your other amazing resources and content? So on Instagram, I'm the mom attorney. And then
1: if you go to my link in bio, I have a ton of resources. I have some templates that you can use in your emails with management. For example, on the pregnant workers accommodations act on pump act, uh, so that you don't, you're not concerned about what is the right language to use. How do I make sure that it's legally protected? So I have a ton of templates. I have some free guides and then I have a membership as well where uh, you can learn about your rights. Um, and we have just some mini courses and just kind of whatever you need to fix your specific problem. We try to provide information on that so that you don't feel confused and stuck and overwhelmed. Um, mm-hmm, so sorry. when you go to my Instagram, and then click on the link, it will guide you to where you need to go.
0: Okay, perfect. And then one last question that I try to remember to ask everybody that <laughs> joins the podcast is, what is one thing, we didn't get to talk a whole lot about your own personal journey as a mom, but before you became a parent, what is one thing that you really wish people had told you? Or what was one thing that you were just completely unprepared for in parenthood?
1: Oh, wow. Prepare to meet yourself. Mm. Um, I I have transformed since motherhood and i have been broken open and then put back together better Mm. and my heart has grown uh i'm a better human like i'm truly a better deeply compassionate person so i would say prepare to become a better human like it's gonna be you know we're we're always we always hear the fear things like you'll never sleep and right (laughs) you know um but i think what we don't hear enough is that it will transform you motherhood is a benevolent force um and that you will meet yourself uh in the most profound way in in a way that there's no other container or portal for it other than motherhood it's the only thing that could have brought
0: me to where i am Chills. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. (laughs) I love it. Thanks so much, Daphne. Have a great rest of your day. You're so welcome.
1: If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.